Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. To kick this one off, I just want to explain how the format's going to be from this point forward. Not any real big changes, but I think as I started this podcast and, and some of my earlier ones, I alluded to the fact that I had never listened to really podcasts before my brother hooked me onto a couple. And that's when I got the idea of trying to do a podcast. I'd had people say, hey, there's no podcast out there. Why don't you try one? So I really didn't know how the format was supposed to work. So sometimes I think I, I put titles up on the, the actual podcast things and the title only covers maybe half of what I discussed during it because part it's difficult. Sometimes you have an episode where it's one topic and it obviously fills the entire podcast. Sometimes I want to cover little topics. But then what happens is I, I save the whole thing. I do the editing. I get it ready to load it up. And then I have to figure out a title that's going to kind of sum up what's in it. And a lot of times it's impossible. I've had ones where I've talked about five or six different topics. And it's really difficult to try to you know cover all those topics in the title. So what we're going to do going forward, just to make it clear for people that listen so they know what to expect, because I guess some people have made comments, and, and I get it, it's constructive criticism, I totally get what they're saying, that, you know, I read the title, but it took like 30 minutes for them to even get into, for him to even get into the title topic, and I get how that could be annoying if you see a title that says, I don't know, breeding, and then you have to listen to a bunch of other stuff beforehand, so just expect moving ahead that what I will do for the titles is the the brunt of it, whatever I feel like the biggest topic is, the one that's most focused on, that will be the title, if there's something that I think is maybe secondary, and they're, or they're, you know, close together, I may put the second one in, but just know that I will kick them off with some of the smaller things I'm going to cover, then we will move into the main topic. And I've been kind of working with this format and trying this out for the last several, and I like it because that way it's like, all right, you're going to get to the other stuff, but unfortunately there are usually several things I want to cover in a podcast. It's just a lot of times these... For me, as I have my topic, but then I have things that happen during the course of the week that kind of stimulate other ideas, so I try to cover those as well while they're still fresh in my mind. So, for example, today I have a few topics I want to cover before we're going to jump into the main thing. Kicking this one off for our first little topic, I rehoused my P. Metallica communal. It went well, and I did put the video up, and I was really excited to put this one up because one of the things, and this is going to lead into my next one, is uh, that I've been really trying to do lately is demystify old worlds a bit. Now, again, I think as keepers, we have a certain responsibility to make sure that people are informed about the differences between old world and new world species. And I think we'd be doing the hobby a disservice if we didn't let people know in uncertain terms that they do have the potential, key there, potential to be dangerous. I think that we've done a stellar job as a hobby trying to look out for people that are just getting into the hobby. And plus, look out for the hobby's own interests because I think a lot of the fear behind people just getting into the hobby immediately gravitating toward old worlds is that idea that one bad bite, and especially the the big one that gets thrown out is like if a child is bit. If a child is bitten, that's going to be, you know, a DCF, CPS, whatever they call it, referral. Child Protective Services are going to get involved. It's going to make the news. And next thing you know, it, you're going to have a whole litany of laws that are prohibiting tarantulas in certain areas. And I think a lot of people live in fear of that because there are places right now, I know there's a city in Canada where you're not allowed to have them. There's some places in the U.S. We're not allowed to sell them publicly in my state. So nobody wants one of those instances where somebody gets bit and some politics goes, oh, this will be a good thing to fight against because obviously there's, they're a huge threat to people. We don't want that information out there. However, I think we go overboard sometimes and I think let's just call it as it is, to the majority of the world out there, tarantulas are already scary and the majority of people think that they are dangerous. And unfortunately, I think sometimes as a hobby, we give these people more fodder than they really need to turn around and continue to perpetuate this idea. Now, let me be very, very clear. 
I think that in the wrong hands, obviously, an old-world tarantula could pose a threat. They are not lethal. Let's get that out of the way. And I've done a whole podcast on this, but it's going to lead into my next little rant that I just feel like I have to talk about. They're not lethal. We know that. That's one thing we can convince people of. But the problem is, a lot of times through you know our forum posts, when we start talking about them with people, and YouTube's a big offender of this, we project them in a certain way that kind of perpetuates this idea that they are incredibly dangerous. Look at how many YouTube videos there are out there. If you do a search of me feeding my deadly tarantula, me feeding my dangerous tarantula, my deadly tarantula jumps up, tries to eat my face, all these things, these sensationalized clickbaity titles that are meant to draw people in. And they do because, you know what, just we've talked before, it's like with the rehousing videos, people want to see a train wreck. They love seeing a train wreck. They're not so interested in, hey, this tarantula just took its cricket and calmly ate it. They want to see the tarantula bolting out of the enclosure. They want to see threat postures. There are YouTubers out there that have made a career out of aggravating their tarantulas to show how quote-unquote vicious and nasty and the one that really gets me going evil they are in order to get views. There's a ton of that. And it's one of the reasons why on YouTube I sometimes feel a bit isolated because I, I don't use clickbait titles. I refuse to. I've had people, and I've gone over this, that people that have been frustrated with me because like, listen, just do a clickbaity title. Get them into your video and then hit them with the good stuff and then show it's not the same. No, because people, a lot of people can't ever see beyond the clickbaity title. They're going to see that clickbaity title. They're going to come over and they're just going to basically think they saw what they saw in the title. So for example, if I had titled my piece of Ethereum Metallica rehouse, you know, rehousing seven vicious piece of Ethereum Metallica's, ooh, and put the little, you know, emoji that's like shocked or whatever. There are a lot of people that would have been attracted to it. They know nothing about spiders. Even though it was a calm rehousing, they would have seen what they wanted to see. They would have went, wow, that was crazy. Did you see that one where it almost went out the end? You could have been bitten there. My God, it doesn't work. And it bothers me because one of the things I've been encountering lately and kind of one of my little personal crusades I've been on through my videos and podcasts, and I've been working on an article about this for quite some time, and I'll tell you, the fire's been relit to make sure I get going on that. The fact that we demonize them, there's a difference between warning people and demonizing them, and we demonize them for everybody. And every time one of these videos goes up that has the title Dangerous Spiders and something of that nature, most aggressive, most evil, we just feed into that. So it's basically people who are trying to, and this is what kills me, and this is why I don't sometimes feel like I fit in the YouTube community and why, quite frankly, I feel so much more comfortable with the podcast. I do wish it was more interactions with the podcast. It's, it's not as much, but I do know you folks generally, uh, you know, the attention spans are better. You're listening to these whole things, which is great. But I, I think one of my issues with the YouTube community is it's a big popularity contest. I'm not competing with anybody with the podcast. And that's one of the nicest things about doing the podcast now is I don't feel like I have to try to undo some garbage somebody else did because sometimes you know I try not to watch a lot of YouTube videos because honestly I'm at a point where I'm looking for any information right now and there's a couple people I, I really enjoy and I watch and I've watched them for a while because I just I know them I've talked to them I like their stuff but I, I tend to shy away from it because what will happen is somebody will put a video up and I'll be like no I don't like that's a terrible message and I feel like I need to on my channel do something to counter it so somebody has an alternative point of view. It's almost like people that, you know, when they watch something on a news network and they bounce over to the news network that is the opposite political affiliation to kind of get the other side of it, it almost feels like that at times, which is why I tend to avoid YouTube videos because it gets me frustrated because I have an agenda and my agenda is to make these things as accessible as possible to as many people as possible, including old worlds, including the quote unquote 
dangerous tarantulas that are out there. And again, I loathe that word because I don't find my guys to be dangerous. And I know people watch my stuff and I get jokes like, oh, you're the tarantula whisperer. And again, I've alluded to the fact that I do think I've spent a lot of time around animals. I do think that helps me. But I also think that just all I'm doing is modeling safe practices. I'm not sticking my hands in there. I'm using tongs. I'm using catch cups. I'm using and, – and I do get a lot of feedback from people that are like, listen – I, I got my first pokey. I was terrified, but I used the stuff I saw in your video and the transfer went great. I'm not so scared of it anymore. That makes my day because that's what this is about. And so anyway, lately I've been really on a push to try to demystify old worlds and to get rid of this idea that they're dangerous and or that they're always dangerous. I think that's the problem I come up with is that recognizing a potential danger and saying something dangerous are two different things. And I think about many other hobbies, whether it be like skateboarding or horseback riding, there is an inherent danger when you jump on a giant horse. I'm sorry. It's, and for people, Bill used to horseback ride. So we, I ran this by her before people crucified me for saying, but she, she'd been kicked off a horse before. There's, there's dangers there, but you can mitigate it by wearing, you know, helmets by certain things. I don't, I don't know about horseback riding, but she could probably tell you. And then skateboarding, another one, dangerous hobby. Lots of people do it. They can, can you end up with broken bones? Yes, that's one of the dangers. Are you going to end up dead? Hopefully not. That doesn't happen all that often. But there are things you can do, like wearing protective equipment, being careful where you skateboard. There are things you can do to mitigate the dangers. I wouldn't even call keeping old world tarantulas even near skateboarding as far as the potential danger. Skateboarding, you're going to fall off the bat unless you're some type of protege, you know, prodigy that jumps right on and never has an issue with There's going to be some bumps and bruises. With tarantulas, I don't feel, I feel like you get your sea legs under you. You get the hang of the rehousing. You start to get a feel for how they move, what they do. The fact that I think the biggest thing I get from people is when they keep them for a while, they go, you know what? You're really right. You used to say they're really not that scary once you get used to them. And that's the truth. I think you get that comfort, not complacency, comfort, and they're not that bad. So I want to really moving ahead, start breaking down the fact that there's a difference between cautioning people that there's a difference between old worlds and new worlds and taking it to a point where we scare people away. Now, to come to my story now, I've been talking with this woman for a few weeks now. I get these a lot of times where people stumble on my videos and like, oh my gosh, I never thought of keeping a tarantula before. I'm so fascinated. And it's great because you can literally, this one at one point was literally commenting on a video like as she was watching it. So I was kind of getting what her thought process was. And it was really neat to see somebody that doesn't know anything about them stumbling on my channel, which can be a little thick for people that don't know much about them. I kind of assume people have a cursory knowledge of them when they get into my stuff for some of them I guess and I've been working with her and she was building up to getting her first tarantula so we talked about old worlds versus new worlds I'd never want to you know own an old world perfectly fine understood I explained the difference between the two I said personally I do not find old worlds to be that scary you just need to use caution so she's looking at new worlds so new worlds are good yes new worlds don't have a, a, a as much of a medically significant bite we, we went through the whole thing eradicating hairs it was a long conversation over the course of two weeks or so well I get an email from her the other day hey Tom I have to tell you I'm really second guessing the whole tarantula thing I just watched a video that really kind of has me terrified uh, uh, I thought you said that the old, the New World tarantulas weren't that bad, but this one says that they're very dangerous. And I'm like, what in the Lord's name is she talking about? So I said, hey, could you just give me a link to the video? Now, in the back of my mind, I have an idea of who I think might have put the video out, like some ideas of who I would sit there and go, all right, I'm not surprised, because there are people out there that tend to do the more sensationalized crap that is meant to get them viewers and get them attention, and it's got nothing to do with educating people. And obviously, that's I've been clear about that, being a teacher by trade. That's one of the things that makes me bristle is when people start calling themselves a teacher or an educator, because generally speaking, teachers and educators, we're out there to, we, we don't have an ulterior motive. There's no 
I'm not going out there like it's it's not like I have to collect viewers or subscribers or get ad revenue when I'm teaching. I'm that's my job, and the job is to do it as well as possible. And your satisfaction comes from knowing that you've taught. And I think that for people to call the channel educational, what I'm sorry, they should be concentrating on getting only the best information out there, only facts out there, and shy away from the clickbaity stuff. And the sensationalized stuff and a lot of the nonsense people put out there just to get views. So anyway, she she comes back with the link. I click on it, and I was actually shocked. And again, if I, I'm guessing, this is one that I've struggled with because I've talked to some some hobby friends of mine. I've talked to Billy about it. I've, I've talked to a lot of people because I was very very upset when I saw what was going on because it's it, it was a channel that I, I've actually watched and, and liked to watch grow and. It just wasn't one I was expecting this type of stuff to come out of, but it made it very clear what the the aim of the channel is now. And so I would appreciate that if anybody don't please don't be the person that comes on and tries to guess which channel is. I'm sure some people probably have seen and know what I'm talking about. Feel free to chime in, but use generalities. I'm not trying to call anybody out personally. I thought about commenting on the channel, but I realized that just me putting the comment on there was going to open up a whole can of worms, and I didn't want to do that. Still up in the air, but here's the deal. It was a video about the, the most dangerous tarantulas, and it struck, it was like one of those things like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. We've, I've spent so much time lately working with people, trying to dispel this, and then there's one just basically throwing it right in your face. Here they are, and I think it was some misguided attempt to explain to people they're not deadly, which, okay, that's easy enough to do. But to make a list of ones that are supposedly the most dangerous, that's, I'm sorry, that's just clickbait. And the problem is, and just to show you how that directly impacts what I do, here's a woman I've been working with who is now scared to pack up a new world because as she said, which is the truth? You told me they're harmless. And now this person is saying a T. Voggins is one of the most dangerous spiders out there. I'm sorry, that's ludicrous. I, I just can't deal with that because it's. I spent so much time trying to dispel this stuff. So it really bothered me. It got me, poor Billy had to listen to me, hem and haw. And again, I've made the statement before, I'm not the police. People will report things to me like, hey, have you seen this one? And it's like, yeah, it, it annoys me, but it's not my job to do that. And again, I don't want to seem like I'm trying to like overstep my bounds here and be some you know type of YouTube police. I'm not. I'm just trying to explain how it impacts me personally and the message I'm trying to convey. Because here I get the Peace Letheria Metallica video that I can't wait to post because it shows they're not as scared. I'm like, this is going to be great because people are going to see there's seven of them moved in with little issue whatsoever. I just had somebody telling me that they had read from somewhere that they're one of the most defensive tarantulas out there. They have the worst venom. And I'm like, all right, here's my rebuttal. Here they are, seven of them, no problems whatsoever going in. And before I can even get that video up, this one comes out. And now I've got, so since this video has gone up, I've heard from five different people, three rightfully upset and like, what do you think about this? And I had to kind of, you know, hold my tongue a little bit. And two of them that are people that are just getting into the hobby, they're like, this kind of contradicts some of the stuff you're saying. So, again, everybody that goes out there and has a YouTube channel has every right to do whatever the heck they want. And there are channels out there that, again, we a lot of us that are serious into the hobby, we talk about behind the scenes. We recognize them as being exploitive. We recognize that the person involved and they have started off with good intentions, but they've taken that turn to it's more about entertainment and getting viewers and getting ad revenue. I And, and I don't bemoan. There are some channels out there that I adore that – they just, they're very real in what they're doing. They're not out there, they're not telling you they're out there to educate anybody. They're out there, they're fun channels. And I don't blame them for collecting money on it and doing it. I totally get that. Where I get upset is when somebody comes out and tries to quote unquote be an educator. 
and does something like this. Because what happens is, and I, I went through the comments and it made me want to puke because there were people on there that were basically saying, oh man, I'm glad I, I won't ever get one of these. Really? That's how you're helping the hobby? We have situations now where whole species and whole species from certain countries are not going to be imported anymore. We're going to have a situation where the U.S. is going to have to rely on its own breeding efforts to support the very large and growing hobby in the United States if we want to keep these species in here. And you're going to turn potential people off of them because you want a couple clicks? I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. And this is the part that kills me is... People will go, yeah, yeah, I know it's clickbaity, it's harmless. It's not harmless. It's not harmless at all. It would be the equivalent of me trying to explain that, hey, pit bulls aren't deadly by showing a pit bull fight and then going, look at nobody died. That doesn't make any sense. You don't sit there and say that things aren't deadly by going, but they are very dangerous. Come on, what kind of logic is that? It drives me nuts. So uh, here we have a situation where where we have people coming on that have never, that don't know about tarantulas. And the problem is it's very easy, believe me. It's very easy to create a public persona on a social media group or on YouTube and have people immediately think you know what you're talking about because of how you present yourself. It's You'll see, I've seen people pop up that really probably shouldn't be talking about tarantula husbandry, but they're, they look slick, everything looks great, they're great video value, and people are like, oh, you obviously know what you're talking about, and I'm sitting there just going, oh, dear Lord, no, no, no. So it's not that difficult to build up trust with your audience. Your audience is going to trust you. It's one thing I've realized about mine, and sometimes it bothers me because somebody will come on, I forget what it was, somebody came on and, and made a, a valid uh, criticism of something I did, and they were right, and one of my people that follows me jumped on and was like, no, he knows what he's doing, and I had to go on and go, no, 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 this guy brought up a very good point. I could have done that better there. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, that's how I learn. So I think it, it's you need to understand that with the YouTube people, the followers follow blindly. They don't want to hear anything about their you know digital gods that is is negative. They are perfect. They don't do anything wrong. So what happens is you put a video up like this, and people immediately go, "I trust this guy." This is true. And guess what? We've just perpetuated these rumors again. We have got a whole slew of people that are going to see this video walking. I think some of them, by looking at the comments, got the impression. It was like, oh, yeah, that I see here. They're not deadly. I, a lot of them are coming away with, oh, my gosh, I never want to keep any of these. And that just breaks my heart because that's what I'm trying to do lately is open it up a little bit more for people to at least start considering old world tarantulas. So again, I don't hope this doesn't come across. I honestly, you know what? I really don't care because poor Pilly's had to listen to it. This is this one hits home because of basically it came at a time where this has been my main focus. Every time I every year or so with Tom's Big Spiders, we start looking at some of the things we're gonna, you know, kind of focus more on. You know, maybe a species I want to get out there. I, I told Billy starting last year, it it bothers me sometimes that I have people that come on that my old world videos and go, I will never own one of those. They're scary, they're dangerous. And some for some people that's totally cool. I completely understand that they're not not going to own one. And I don't want people to feel like I'm pressuring people and saying, you have to, you don't have to keep them. I bring up the example. I kept snakes for years. I said, I'd probably never keep venomous snakes. I never kept a venomous snake. Now people that keep venomous snakes are probably going to go, dude, they're not that bad. I know, but that was where I drew the line for me at that time. I said, if I had kids in the house, I wasn't going to keep venomous snakes. Not judging anybody that does. It's just at that point, I didn't want to deal with the risk. And I get that people sometimes don't want to deal with the risk of old worlds. I just had a buddy of mine comment on the latest video I put up basically saying, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, but these aren't for me. Totally cool. I'm not judging you, but there are people out there that look at them and go, I would love to keep these. But unfortunately, I've heard they're the most dangerous species in the world. So 
So I've spoken to some people privately about it. I'm not commenting on I'm not. And again, please, I've, I've got, I'll be monitoring Facebook after this. I don't want any names thrown around. But here is, just so people understand where this is coming from, it's, I do have a mission with tarantulas. It's not to make me money. It's not to be famous. It embarrasses me when people act all fanboy or fangirl because I just see myself as a normal dude, a geeky dude. That's not lip service. That's not me trying to appear humble. Anybody that meets me will tell you that's, who I am. I mean, I just, it, it, it's, this was something, I, if I enjoy doing something, I put my all into it. The rewards come when people, I don't need somebody giving me money. The rewards really come when people tell me things like, I, I listened to your, when I first got into the hobby a year ago, now I have 25 species, they're all doing well, thank you. That is the best reward I could possibly get. Billy and I are financially secure. I do not require an extra income right now. Are there things I'd like to get for the channel and stuff like that? Sure, but I can very easily save up for them just like I would do when I was a kid in the good old days and get them in due time. I don't need the money. It's not about that for me. It's always been about the message. It's always been about getting this information out to people, trying to connect with as many people as possible. Selfish angle where I get to talk to people and find out, you know, it's not just me and my little microcosm here with my spiders. I get to hear what other people are seeing. That's always been it for me. And I don't begrudge people that make money off it. I want to make that very clear because sometimes I think people go out and go, oh, Tom doesn't want to, you know, monetize his YouTube channel. So he he thinks nobody should monetize. That's not true at all. I think, honestly, there are people out there that that's a good source of income for them. If they're putting out a good quality product, if they're entertained, why not capitalize on it? Again, just to be clear, this is only about the channels that kind of pose themselves as being instructional. If you're an instructional channel, keep the damn clickbait titles off of your thing. Like That's just going to confuse people because now there's a bunch of people out there I can't wait to start getting the comments about, hey, you know, I noticed that B. Voggins is on your list of top 13 beginner species, but I've heard those are deadly or those are, those are dangerous. Come on. Like, how many of us have had this species? Yeah, they can be a little more high strung than some of the normal new worlds, but for crying out loud. So now I'm going to have to, now I feel like I'm put in a position where this is going to come up and it has come up already and I'm having to dance around it because I don't want to get into like... with other people about this and have it get back. Yeah, Tom's talking crap. So it's really difficult for me to kind of negotiate the situation. I've had it happen a little bit before with, you know, certain videos have gone up and privately I've said, listen, this is my take on it, but this is my take. This one just seems to hit a little too close to home because again, I've been working on for several months now, a couple videos about how to transition into old worlds. I'm hoping these will be like, I'm putting a lot. This is like my sling guide as far as how much stuff I'm trying to put into it to really make people feel comfortable. I'm trying to dispel some of the rumors. I'm going to try to get some people to chime in who have kept old worlds to be like, Hey, I've kept 50 old worlds. I've never been bitten. So people realize that bites are not necessarily, they're, they're not inevitable. I think that's the biggest thing we need to take away. As a matter of fact, if you do things right, there should be a minuscule chance of you getting bitten. So a lot of this has been my push. And now I'm fielding emails about this. And now I know that this is going to come. Obviously, something like this, it's going to, it's got legs. It's a compelling video. It's, it's, the dude does a beautiful job shooting it. A lot of people are going to see it. And that means a lot of people are going to come away with the wrong message, be misinformed. And I'm going to get more emails like, hey, I thought New Worlds were okay, but this one can apparently harm me. So anyway, moving ahead, here's my plea to people. And again, if I'm assuming that if you're spending a good chunk of your time listening to my podcast, you have obviously an interest in tarantulas. You obviously, I would like to say the people that are listening to this obviously have a decent attention span because I'll tell you the YouTube videos. I put YouTube videos up there 20 minutes long and sometimes the average view time is five minutes. No joke. Like I do all this work on these things and everybody says, oh, they're great. And nobody's really watching them. But the podcast folks, 
you guys are smart, you're articulate, you're well-read. Here's my plea. When you see this, for anybody that's out there, when you see this information, politely try to combat it. Like, say something. Open, open. I think what happens is sometimes people get caught behind the personalities. Like, hey, I really like this dude, so I don't want to hurt his feelings or whatever. But I think people need to be, there needs to be some more self-policing in much the same way that we immediately, and this is what drives me nuts, we immediately jump on any beginner that comes on and goes, I've been in the hobby for three months, I'm going to get an OBT sling. We jump all over that. But we don't police ourselves as well in terms of the other types of misinformation, the other types of things. Like, how do I ask yourself, this is what I think it comes down to, ask yourself, when you talk to people about the hobby that you enjoy, what are the what are the reactions you get back? They are horrified. They find them scary. They find them dangerous. So why as a hobby would we perpetuate that? This is what everybody spends time trying to fight against with friends and relatives and people, you know, you meet people and you're like, oh, what are you into? Oh, I have tarantulas. They look at you like you're not. Why would you want? They're going to bite you. They're going to kill your dog. They're going to kill your cat. Why, as a hobby, then, would we want to make videos that encourage that type of attitude? Because for every one person that sees that video that is able to look at it, shake their head, and go, that's clickbait BS, there's going to be probably nine of them without that type of background knowledge that either have no interest in tarantulas whatsoever or that had an interest and just had it kind of ruined by this. They're going to walk away going, oh, wow. In the case of people that are just researching tarantulas, now now they're fearing them again because now you've just introduced the idea that new worlds are super dangerous. And again, are there new worlds and just to be clear because I know somebody's going to jump in with this are there new world species that you could probably put on a list that you need to be wary of heck yeah Theraphosa species right off the bat it has nothing to do with the venom it's got to do with the fact that there are 9 10 inch spiders with 3 quarter inch fangs that can do a ridiculous amount of mechanical damage that would have made more sense quite frankly to me if the uh, the list was legitimate but the problem is we're going every time you do a list you can't just do the obvious ones you got to throw that one in there that really doesn't make any sense but gets people squawking about the list and apparently the T. Voggins was it. So obviously there are ones we could talk about. I think we could talk about Samapius. We could talk about Tapinikinius. I've heard people say Formictopus, although I've had a very easy time with Formictopus. There are species of Formictopus that you should be aware of, but to label them dangerous, that's the problem I have. If the list was species that you want to work up to to be, you know, or be careful around because of the reputation, that's one thing. The top most dangerous species, I'm sorry, you've already set the tone of that piece. We do, I do a lot of teaching, you know, of literature and we talk about tone and setting the tone or whatever. That sets the tone right off the bat. That's flat out a clickbaity uh, topic. And then when you get into the list, you realize, yep, these are just kind of pulled out. And I know supposedly research was done, everything. We don't have the quite the information we can to make those types of statement. So what we have is a video that's going to get a lot of views. It's going to get a lot of people scared. It's going to bring up this whole thing. It's going to be used by people who don't like tarantulas that are going to come on and go, yep, exactly why I won't keep these things, exactly why you should burn them. It's the wrong message. So what I ask guys is just how let's we need to start policing ourselves. We need to start and I and again I know probably with my with my audience here a lot of you guys probably don't go on uh, YouTube and it's probably for reasons like this and I don't blame you. I, I there are days I honestly wish that I didn't have to go on YouTube sometimes because it ends up with me being frustrated because of the stuff I see. Again, it just 
from the angle that I go at this at, it's sometimes tough to see videos that undermine that, especially when you got people with, you know, one and a half million views that are doing stuff, teasing spiders, making them angry. And then people come over to my video and go, yeah, that's one of the most defensive, angry, nasty spiders out there. It kills me because it's, it's total crap. And I have a hard time. Like if, if I trash the individual, it makes me look like a jerk. They just come over with more people. It turns into a nightmare. So I kind of have to bite my tongue, but here's what, it, you know, for those of you that do watch YouTube videos and for those of you it, on the forums or on the groups on the like Facebook groups and whatnot when you see stuff like this pop up don't turn it into like you're an idiot they're not dangerous but you know speak up kindly say you know what uh, that's a that's a very entertaining video and I think the approach would be it's a very entertaining video but the majority of us that are in the hobby would probably argue that it's it's not true and try to say something because I think I can't do it alone I, I I'm really upset about this because I feel like a lot of what I've done has been set back because of it. Again, just just this one woman that I've been working with, I think that's what really drove this one home because it felt like it was really flat out undermining something I've been working very hard on. And I spent a lot of time going back and forth with this person, a lot of my own time. I don't have to do this. I could walk away from this and play with video games and Transformers or whatever and play with my spiders and never talk about them again. But I do it because I enjoy doing it. I like when people come back and tell me that they've learned things. But that made it much more... I don't want to say personal because it wasn't personally. It wasn't doing anything to, you know, affect me personally, but it did feel like I had to address it. So help me out, guys. When you see stuff like this pop up, get a, get a conversation going. People need to hear an alternative point of view. That's not to say we shouldn't be talking about the fact that there is danger in there, but let's make sure we're able to help people sift through the BS and get to those grains of truth. Yes, they have the potential to be dangerous, but most of us who keep old worlds aren't running around telling people we keep dangerous tarantulas. That completely undermines everything where most of us are trying to do in the hobby. Granted, there's those folks out there that love going, hey, I have an OBT. It's orange. It's dangerous. It can hurt you. And that's kind of like something they brag about. But we're not talking to those people. We're talking about those of us out there. And I know there's a bunch of you listening to me right now who have kept these guys that laugh every time somebody starts talking about how dangerous they are. Not to say... We don't want to encourage people just getting into the hobby. And I know this is the other thing I always worry about is people are going to hear this message that I've been trying to work on and go, Tom Moran says everybody should get old worlds. That's not what I'm saying. And the article I'm working on right now, it's right around 10 pages right now. It'll be turned into a video because I think that's needed now more than ever. And I'm going to, it's going to be one of the first times that when I put a video out, I am going to ask people to share it. Not because I want more likes, not because I want more subscribers, not because I want the ad revenue generated by it. No, because I want that message out there that they aren't that bad and if you want to get into them there is a proper way to do it and if you do get into them there are things that you can do techniques you can try tools you can use that can help make it so that you totally mitigate any risk that comes with them so I will be asking for that in the future but in the meantime guys just back up this hobby we love because I hate as much as we talk about the old worlds getting into the wrong hands and causing a bite and getting on the news and getting anti-tarantial legislation if we make these type of fear-mongering videos that, you know, capitalize on that type of attitude, it's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. You're just adding fuel to the fire. You're giving something. That's the type of video that when a politician goes on and tries to ban something, they go, look at right here. This one right here is saying they're dangerous as heck. Maybe not deadly, but they're dangerous. We don't want to capitalize on it. We want to tell people there's an inherent, you know, there's a risk of danger, but then talk about how to avoid it. So anyway, I'm going to apologize profusely for this one uh, because I feel like I just ranted and this, I literally have in my notes, 
no joke, I'm looking at them right now. I started and said, spend no more 10 minutes on this topic. But there's been a lot of discussion with me. And but Billy, God bless her. We take these walks every day, these long, you know, two and a half, three mile walks, sometimes four mile walks. And we chat about work and, and transfer. And this is, she's had to listen to this the whole time because it's just, I it just found it so frustrating. It was just like, why right now does this have to happen? And I've talked to a lot of my keeper friends that I've been talking to for years that have similar, you know, thoughts on the hobby that want to try to demystify some of this stuff with me. And we're just shaking our heads like, yep, there we go. So that's it for now. Um, hopefully this doesn't turn into, I, I'm not, I'm done as far as I'm concerned. I'm not talking about it anymore. My next response will be in the type of materials that I'm producing. Uh, again, I cannot wait to get going on this old world video. I do have, obviously I've talked before about transitioning to old worlds and transitioning into more difficult spiders to keep. I did a whole podcast on that. I will be doing the video version of that as well and revisiting it on the podcast because I have some more thoughts on it. And as part of the video about getting into old worlds, I will talk about some of the obvious, the quote unquote beginner old worlds, the ones that most people agree if you're going to slide into old worlds and keep one of those old worlds, these ones are the least likely to give you, you know, a heart attack for lack of a better term. So there'll be a lot of that going ahead. But again, it's for me, it's... It's about getting the correct information out there. And I would love to see a day where I'm able, and I don't think this is, realistically, I'll be honest, I don't think this is ever going to happen because it just, it comes with the, the territory. But I'd love to see a day where I was able to, somebody was asked me, you know, what do you do for hobbies? And I go, oh, I have 175 tarantulas. And they're like, really? That's so fascinating. I've read about them. They're really cool. Instead of, aren't you afraid they're going to kill your kids? Aren't you afraid they're going to get out? Aren't you afraid they're going to kill your dogs? Aren't you afraid your wife's going to get bit and you're going to get divorced and that type of stuff? I would love to see that. I don't see it happening because as long as people in the hobby, you know, continue to reinforce this type of stuff, it's never going to go away. But I do think that there's enough of us out there that are <clears throat> thoughtful, intelligent, enough into the hobby and, and love the animals to kind of counter some of this. So that's all I ask. A little help, guys. And, uh, Let's move on to our next topic. My gosh, I feel like I, I should send everybody here an apology note for this one. But anyway, moving on to the next topic or what was supposed to be the, the main topic of this one. I got a question from one of my subscribers recently on YouTube that I thought was a, one that was interesting and worth visiting. And I'd also like to point out that this individual said he was taking my advice about if you want something answered quick, go over on, on to YouTube and post. And he did. He picked an old video. He posted. And I saw it almost immediately because I had 100-something questions I had to answer on YouTube. And I was already over there. So thank you so much, Brian Martinez, for this one. I really do appreciate it. And he did give me permission to address it on the podcast. And Brian, I hope it's okay I mentioned your name. I, most people are okay with it. I forgot to ask. And crud, I've already done it. So Brian's a good dude. <laughs> Apologize if you didn't want your name on here. But anyway, he asked the question, how do you feel about some newer keepers straight up diving head? first into the hobby. I've seen keepers accumulating 50 to 70 slings within a few months of keeping, and I don't think they know what they've got into. Great question, and I've seen this myself. It can be very difficult when you're talking to new keepers, because here's the thing. The thing we constantly talk about with the hobby how addictive it is we joke about people getting bit because they go out you know you start with one you end up with a hundred and I joke with people all the time with this and when I do it it's not a lot of times I go hey be careful that 10 turns into 50 it's part joke part warning because I've seen it happen and Brian brings up an amazing point and I've been privy to several cases of this over the years and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't go so well. So for one instance, I can t I remember very clearly because it was it was kind of horrific. I had a young lady that came on, 
And she was asking all kinds of questions. The email, this was back the day before. I think it was before I even had YouTube. So it was quite a while back or before I was really serious into the YouTube. But she had found me through my website. And we were going back and forth. She was asking very basic questions about husbandry, sling husbandry. What do you do if they're too small? How do you feel? You know, things of that nature. Might have even been before my sling guide because now I usually just send a copy of the sling guide video or the text. But anyway, she got her first spider. She was all excited. She was asking me questions. Three months later, she had 50 slings. 50 slings, couple adults. It was a mix. But I remember being around 50 or so. And she continued to ask me questions. And some of them were basic, like, you probably shouldn't have got this spider. My favorite, like, one's like this. I just got a C. lividus. And does this need dry wet, a substrate or wet substrate? Oh, boy. Like, she wasn't doing the research. And basically, a few months after that, I got an email from her that she was worried about uh, a dealer that she bought some slings from because she lost a couple slings. And then next thing you know what, I believe she had lost about a dozen slings total and was wondering what could the case could be. So I'm trying to get pictures of their enclosures. It was a nightmare. She did not know how to properly take care of them. And I believe she got up to about 75 or so. And then next thing you know it, she ended up selling off. She had lost a bunch of them. She said she had become discouraged. She didn't understand what was happening. She thought she was getting bad slings. There wasn't a lot of introspection. It's like, hey, maybe my husbandry wasn't up to snuff. And she ended up selling them all off. And that's an extreme example. But I can tell you I've had other instances very similar to that where people have picked up a bunch. The other issue that happens is people pick up a bunch of slings. And they, at the time, they have like a little shell. Like you have a little shelf in the room, your significant other is going, yep, as long as you use that shelf, you're fine. So guess what? Slings don't take up a lot of room. You can stack them all up in their little you know, containers. You can, you can put 50 of them in a spot. You might be able to keep three adults. Well, guess what? They grow. And then next thing you know it, you've got some juveniles up there. It's, it's getting a little crowded. It's, you, know, you need to make some room. And then you got some adults. And all of a sudden, uh-oh, I don't have enough room. I've seen that happen as well. I almost fell victim to that. I, it was, there was a situation where a bunch of my slings needed rehousings. And I took a look around the room. And I'm like, oh, dear. I have to get rid of some stuff. So we got rid of some males. You know, I traded a couple things off to make sure that I had the proper room to house them. So, yes, I do think this is a problem. I think part of it is the addictive nature of it. I do think tarantula keeping does appeal to those of us who have that collector gene in us where we tend to get into I can't tell you how many people that I talk to that I find out they collect other things. I mean, I've talked about the fact I have a Transformer collection. I collected, you know, DVDs. I've, I've been collecting since ever since I was a kid and I think it attracts a lot of those, that. But unfortunately... Here's the difference. When you collect, say, an inanimate object like a toy or comic books or books or, or vinyl, whatever it may be you're collecting, if you don't run out of room, they end up stacked somewhere in a corner. You may damage your items, but you're not killing an animal. With tarantulas, it takes a tip over into hoarding territory where you're not able to supply them with the care they really need. And I think that's where people find themselves getting into trouble. I do caution people that are getting into the hobby to take it slowly at first. That first year... I would say is very crucial. I know people try to create their own, you know, there's a lot of talk about how long you have to be in the hobby before you move on, how long you should keep a sling for before you get another thing, whatever. I just think the first year is when most people pick up a lot of the tips and tricks they're going to use moving on. At least it was for me. And I've talked, you know, I've spoken to other keepers who have kind of insinuated the same thing that that first year was really crucial where they kind of got the hang of rehousings. They kind of got the hang of husbandry when the feed, they stopped worrying so much when they went into pre-malt. So I do think it behooves the majority of keepers that first year to keep their numbers lower. And I, I think what happens is sometimes they watch the, the keepers that have been around for a while. They'll see videos of it or hear, you know, somebody will post something up like, Hey, I just picked up 12 new slings today. And what they forget is like, 
a lot of us have been in the hobby long enough that we can go to a show, pick up a spider that we may not have done all the research on, but pretty much know right off the bat how we need to set it up because we're familiar with the species. We're well-read enough to recognize that if we pick up a Kilobrachi species, if it's a sling, we're going to give it deep moist substrate. We're going to throw some moss in there, maybe a water dish. As an adult, deep moist substrate, we know all this stuff inherently unfortunately for people just getting into a hobby that email me questions like, Hey, so my Brachypelma Smithies enclosure is completely dried out. Should I add more water in questions like that, which are legitimate questions. But if you don't know how to take care of that one, you don't want to add 12 other species to that list. You want to figure that one out. I was telling uh, Brian, one of the things I did is I kind of work my way up into it. Like I, I think I, I can't remember how many exactly I had the first year. I want to say it was like 20 or so. So it, it, I didn't go completely overboard, but there, there was a lot. But out of those 20 or so, I was buying them in threes. So that breaks it down. So it's not like I was taking care of 20 different species. I had like three LPs. I had at one point two or three OBTs. I had one Avicularia versicolor. That was at the time it was Avicularia versicolor, obviously Carabina versicolor. Now I had two GBBs. I had three for Myctopus. I had everything was like in three. So I was only really caring for a handful of species. And what I would do is I would start with the really easy ones. And then I would pick up like a fossorial. Then I would pick up one that needed to be a little moisture dependent then I would pick up one that would need a lot of moisture so I worked my way into it just this is just what I did it's not what everybody else needs to do just to show you how I approached it and then I started getting the feel for this is how you keep an arid species this is how you keep an arboreal species this is how you keep a fossorial species so you start building that knowledge base as you move on and then after a while you start to a lot of us discover there's really only so many ways you can keep them so it's it's you you realize what you're getting you do a little research you go all right it's and from an arid area, terrestrial, it's probably going to be a starter burrow, maybe, probably won't use it, whatever. You you know exactly where to go with it. So I think the problem is with people that are just getting into the hobby, they don't have that skill set. They don't have that background knowledge to fall back on. So what ends up happening is they go to a show, they pick up a bunch of species, they get home, and I start getting the frantic emails about, hey, I just picked up 10 species. And I'm usually like, congrats. Uh, how do you keep these things? That drives me kind of nuts. And I think, again, I get it because... If you have that collector's gene in you, the propensity is going to be to go out and try to grab as many different ones as you can. It's difficult. It's really difficult, especially if you have the money because it is an expensive hobby. It's easy to go out and find yourself going from one or two to 50. I get it. But I do think in a lot of cases, this can go south, either because the people are overwhelmed. And again, the biggest issue I've found with it with talking to people that have gone through this themselves is the quote unquote mysterious deaths that start to happen right around the six month mark or so. They get they get that point where I've got 50 and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I lost a bunch of them. A big one I get is it's wintertime. So everybody's heaters are on, the air's dried out. And I'll get, hey, Tom, I just had a rash of mysterious deaths I lost you know five slings in a, in a week-long period and then you start to figure out the most likely he was getting behind on being able to keep them hydrated enough they were drying out and dying because the heat was kicking on drying out the air you start to see these little patterns with it where it's not so much the care is wrong is that they don't have enough time to devote to the proper care so things aren't getting moistened down as much they aren't getting checked on as much and they're losing slings. So yes, I do feel like this could be a problem. Now, in some cases, obviously nothing's absolute. I'm, I've talked to people who have gotten into the hobby. They end up with 100 within a year. They're doing great. They haven't lost any. And I'll, those are the ones that usually it's a matter of pride. So I'm like, hey, Tom, we talked like a year and a half ago. Since then, I've got 100 spiders and they're all doing great. And it's like, yeah, there you go. Like, So some people just jump right in and they do fine with it. But I do think anybody that's listening to this that is at that, you know, has under 10 right now, has just gotten into the hobby 
this can become a problem. You want to make sure you don't, it's easy to go out there and grab a bunch of stuff. And I think a lot of us do enjoy, I've talked to people lately that, uh, a couple of people lately that we like to kind of go out and take a species we've never heard of before because it's kind of exciting to raise something that there isn't a lot of information on. But again, we've, we've got that background knowledge to support that type of decision. I think for people that are just getting into the hobby, wait a year or so before you really start loading up on them. And keep in mind, big thing to keep in mind, slings don't stay slings forever. If you're starting in a Fauna Palma collection, congratulations. Buy 200 of them, you'll have the space for them five years later. It's not going to grow all that much. Um, some of the Brachypelma species, same thing. If, you're, if, if it's all the slow-growing species, that I think what happens is we start with the slower-growing species, they grow very slowly, so we start getting other slings, but then we get into like the Formictopus, the Salmopius, the, you know, any species that's a fast grower, and all of a sudden we realize there's a big difference in growth rate. So, yeah, our little Fauna Pelma collection, our little Brachy Pelma collection, our little Gramostola collection is still small and in their little teeny tiny cages, but uh oh, all these other slings I just bought in the last year now require rehousings. That's where people get themselves into trouble. So, always keep in mind when you look at your space, and I think I talked about this in the video where when you know you're going overboard or getting too many, look at the space you have available. Figure out exactly what is the maximum space you're going to have when all is said and done. Don't assume the wife is going to let you take over the spare bedroom. If, if that's something you're planning on doing, it, uh, doing, address it before you start picking up a bunch because I've had people like, yeah, you know, I just picked up a bunch. They're on a shelf, but we have a, you know, an extra bedroom. I'm going to put them in there, but my wife doesn't know it yet. Don't do that. Find out ahead of time, you know, and Find out how much space you have and then look at it and figure out how many adults you can keep. Look at it and figure out how many juveniles you can keep. That should limit the number you have. If you look at that shelf and say, ooh, I could probably stack up eight juvenile enclosures on there. Well, guess what? Your magic number for a little while, maybe with a couple extra slings, if they're slow-growing ones, should be around eight or so. You don't want to get too much higher than that. And then implore people before you go out and buy a bunch of stuff. I know it's easy to do, and I know especially I think the other problem with it is when you order them, with it being 45 50 60 bucks for shipping, you want to get as much bang for your buck as you can. So people might go out going, hey, I just want to get a GBB and, I don't know, a, a T. Alba Pelosum. Next thing you know, they get on there and they start throwing on. And I used to do this. You throw a bunch of stuff in your cart. All of a sudden, you got 10 spiders coming, which if you're prepared for them is great. And I've, one thing I encourage people to do is if you find a really good deal, but you're putting spiders in there that you haven't really done your research on, shoot an email out. Ask them to hold your order. There's no problem with that. Shoot an email. If you're ordering from, you know, whoever you are, Jamie's, you know, Fear Not, Swift, tell them, listen, I really want to make sure I grab these, get this deal. But I, I, I have some stuff I got to get set first or whatever. Just ask them to hold. Most of them, I, I believe most reputable dealers will hold your order for a little bit for you. They're not going to have any problem with that whatsoever. Some of them have a hard time. You know, they got so many things they're shipping out. They have no problem holding on to stuff for a little while. It, it lessens their load a little bit. But take a, take a breath. Have it held. You know what you're getting. You're getting 10 spiders. Take your time. Research those 10 spiders. Make sure that you're figuring out what your enclosures are going to be before you get the spiders. Make sure if you're going to send an email to Tom... Sorry, couldn't resist. But if you're going to send an email to Tom going, hey, how do you keep these? It's before you've already housed the spider. That makes it easier. Hey, Tom, by, by the way, I've got these things coming in. I got them on hold. But I, I had a couple questions. Ask before you get them because I think that's a big issue with the people that jack up the 50, 60 slings, 70 slings in a year. They don't do the research. They go online. They throw a bunch of them in their cart. They buy them. They arrive. They start throwing them in cages. And then afterwards, they realize, uh-oh, these things aren't acting right. I think I might have done something wrong. So... My advice, again, first year, most important, build it up, take your time. They're not going anywhere for the most part, I can think of, and learn, you know, learn your basic husbandry, 
as you go, build up to getting more and more and make sure you're doing your research before you order them and make sure you have enough space in your house to support what you're going to be getting so you don't end up, I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than that feeling and that did happen to me. And I think I've alluded to this before. There was one time in the hobby where I was feeling overwhelmed and it did not sit well with me. It was really, that was when I raised my first slings. That was the Hapalopa species Colombian larges. I had like 300 and something slings. I had two and at that point, 200 and something animals in here and it was the end of summer vacation and I have a lot of extra time during summer vacation and it was even it was exhausting trying to keep up with everything and that was the first time I looked around I was like you know what I got to be a little more careful with this stuff because hobbies should be fun you don't want to find yourself in a position where you're stressed out because you don't have enough time you don't have enough space the other thing is I've heard with people that get too many too fast and they start growing is they don't rehouse them they keep them in little cramped containers because they don't have the room for it and that becomes an issue. You don't want the hobby to turn into something stressful or something that makes you feel like a terrible pet owner. That's not what this is about. You want to make sure you stay fresh. Yeah, You want to stay stress-free by making sure you have all your information, you know how much space you have, and you don't go overboard. So yes, Brian, I do think it's an issue. I would, I, I could never give you like a stat of how many people run into this, but I do think a large number of people do find themselves in this predicament where they've grown too much too fast and they end up stressed out losing things. It's, it doesn't work for the spiders. It doesn't work for the people. I do think that there are people that probably jump and get to like 100 in a year that do perfectly fine with it. You know, I'm not going to say they're not, but I think more, quite often it can become an issue and it's something we all need to be aware of. Even those of us have been in the hobby for a while. It's, it's very easy easy to do. There are a lot of, you know, wonderful spiders out there, especially if you're watching, you know, the boards or people post pictures of what they get. If you're watching YouTube's like just the worst enabler in the world, because you see so many different spiders, like, man, I really want to get one of those. It's easy to do. It's easy to go overboard and it can happen to the best of us. So it's just, it's something you kind of need to be cognizant of before you get deep in a hobby, before it starts to happen, before you walk into the living room with the shelf that your wife or, you know, significant other or husband or whatever said, all right, honey, this is as much space as you have. And you look at that and realize, oh God, I don't have enough space for the ones I've got. Before it gets to that point, give it some thought, you know, plan ahead of time, make sure that you have the space, make sure you have the time and make sure most importantly that you know what you're doing so you don't end up with a bunch of dead spiders. All right, so that ended up being a bit of a long one. I didn't cover one of the topics I was going to cover, but uh, we'll get to that eventually. And again, I do apologize if this came across as negative. I, I just, I do and I don't. Like, I needed to get this out, and I do. It's going to be something you guys will see through the podcast, through some of the topics I'll be covering moving ahead. Hopefully, some of you, when I get this, these videos done, will go over and check them out. Let me know what you think. It will be an article as well. At Tom's Big Spiders, the website, we're getting that back up again. And um, Billy and I, I got to throw this one out there. Billy and I have been talking she's going to actually help me with some of the stuff I've been doing lately she's always been in the background she's always been the, the literally the most supportive wife on the planet with all this stuff and she's going to help me with some of the social media stuff making sure we get this stuff out there because although I've never my big thing is I've never advertised. I've never tried to get this stuff out there. I never coordinate anything through social media I basically basically the way I approach this is here's a video feel free to watch it if you want to here's my podcast Feel free to listen if you want to. I don't post anything on the website. Sometimes I throw them on Facebook. Sometimes I don't. It's never been about promotion because I feel like that's something you do for a business and I don't see myself as a business. However, Billy's been bringing this up for years. Other people that I've, I trust and that have become confidants in the hobby have said for years, a good buddy of mine said it recently, Tom, you really, it'd be great if you could kind of coordinate this stuff better and, and cross promote your stuff. And he was absolutely right. I don't, I think for me, it's like I never want to be seen as, I'm trying to shove my stuff down people's throat like, here, Tom's Big Spiders, click the like and all that. I, I hate that stuff, but I do think moving ahead that 
I feel like my information is solid. I feel like I'm level-headed. I feel like I'm doing this for the right reason. And then there's no shame in trying to make sure this information gets out there. So moving ahead, uh, Billy's going to be helping out with some of the stuff. She'll be helping me out with Facebook, which has been my biggest thing. Billy is on Facebook constantly. Um, I am not, in case people haven't figured that out. I know a lot of you have. Uh, Instagram, you know, Twitter, we're going to get things kind of working so people know that I'm out there. Because I do feel like now we're at a point where... I do need to make sure my information gets out there. I do need to make sure my message gets out there. I feel like a fire has been lit under me where I realize the importance of the fact that all, although I may not like promoting, it's, I should be proud of what I'm doing, I guess, and getting it out there more, you know, more often in, in, in a manner that's uh, more organized and calculated. So there won't be any ads. Don't worry about that. This isn't, a, you know, anything like that, but I am, I'm, I'm going to be a little less shy as far as saying, you know what, I think my material is good. I have a good group of followers that back me up and, you know, help me out when I ask questions. I'm going to be asking a question pretty soon too, just a heads up on this. I'll be polling people to find out how many have been actually bitten by old worlds. And if so, what was the situation that led to it? Things of that nature. You guys always bail me out and help me out with that. But uh, moving ahead, do look for me to be a little more active in that realm. And Billy's going to be taking a huge role. Kind of, she's, we joke, she's going to be like my secretary now because it's been tough trying to keep up with all these different things. I have great intentions, but trying to sit down and coordinate all these different things can be difficult. I need some help. So she's going to be helping out there. So look for me to be a little more responsive with some of this stuff. So anyway, that will do it for this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, if anybody wants to address some of the stuff I've done in this, please, no names, no names, no channel names, no person names. Keep it. I don't want this to turn into, it's more of the idea. It's more of addressing the problem as a whole. It just so happens that there was a particular video that kind of really made it apparent and made it evident to me that this was becoming a huge problem. So it's not about attacking anybody personally. I I get the thought process behind it. It's just... It's an issue that I feel like needs to be dealt with and and something I'm going to be working on. So... constructive comments only please if anybody puts a name in i'll edit or take it out because i'm not trying to attack anybody and uh on that note i'm going to move off and do some feeding actually i got to do a rehousing in a minute i have my l crotalis that i've been dying to rehouse because it's a gorgeous spider i got this one from tom patterson patterson a while back and one of my favorites because nobody seems to have them and so we're going to be getting her into a new enclosure and i kind of can't wait to tape that one and get that one up even though nobody has them nobody's going to really care but it'll be a fun one for me to put up there so And finally, some super exciting news that I'm actually really excited to talk about because as I've told people, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I get a lot of folks asking me if there are any podcasts like mine that talk about, you know, tarantulas and subjects of this nature. And to date, there haven't really been any. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why this was kind of an enticing platform for me because when I looked into it, there really wasn't anything out there. I'm like, I could be a pioneer. So my buddy, Louis Roquet, who's been a buddy of mine for a while now, you know, started off just shooting the, the, the bull about, you know, tarantulas and whatnot. And he's become kind of a confidant in the hobby. He has begun his own podcast. Now, many of you may know Louis. He's had a website before. He's been on Facebook before. The dude knows his stuff. His background is actually in clinical research. He spent years doing that. He knows how to read these scientific papers and break them down. And this is the part that I'm lacking in my channel, where it always makes me giggle when people go, yeah, you're scientific. I'm not scientific. I'm kind of, a, you know, I, I give basic husbandry information. I get into a little of the science of it when I need to, but I'm not in any way, shape, or form a scientist. Lewis knows his stuff, and he's one of the guys I go to when I have questions. He's always got some of the best articles and the best peer-reviewed publications, scientific publications about, you know, taxonomy changes and different things they're studying. It's just, it's been great. Well, he's going to be sharing this with the public. So the name of his podcast is 
Preclarum theraphosida. Hopefully I did it justice. If you hear Lewis speak it on his podcast, it sounds so beautiful. I have a horrible time with L's and R's. So sorry, Lewis, if I just butchered the title of that, but we'll continue to be saying it because I'm going to be promoting it. So for people who want, you know, more scientific background, hear about some of these taxonomy changes, Lewis is going to be the man to go to. And we'll be doing a lot of, obviously going ahead, I can't wait to interview him. It'll be a fun guy to interview. We've spoken before. And he's a good dude, knows his stuff, very intelligent guy. So I'm thinking a lot of people will enjoy when they're done with my podcast, switching over, getting his podcast. That's my goal. So he'll hopefully, I'll be appearing on his show. He'll be appearing on mine. You'll get to hear more of him. And what I'm hoping will happen, and I haven't run this by him, but when there is a taxonomy change, we might be able to get Lewis to kind of guest star to come over here and talk a little bit about it and then have you guys get the whole shebang from over on his podcast. So very much looking forward to that and and working with Lewis in the future. I've already heard the first two episodes and I will say the only complaint I had was that they were shorter. He's going to start them off shorter. He's trying to hook people, but I've been telling Lewis that the podcast folks, you guys like the long ones. You're smart. You want to hear, you want as much information as possible. So I think you'll see them expand as he goes. So Please take a look at that. I'm going to put a link in my podcast, in my podcast description, so people that want to bop over there afterwards and check it out. It's really, it's good stuff. Lewis has a great voice for it. I'm kind of jealous. I, you know, I could listen to him speak all day long, so I'm thinking a lot of you will dig it as well. All right, so that will finish it up for this one. I'm, uh, enough of my talking. I'm going to go try to get my voice back because I'm starting to lose my voice, and I have some rehousings and feedings to get to. So for all of you that listen, thanks so much, and I will catch you next time.